1: When you give a donation to a not-for-profit organization, there are rules. A charity, in this case the National Rifle Association, can't just use that donated money any way it pleases. That's where New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, comes in.
0: My office filed a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association to dissolve the organization in its entirety for years of self-dealing and illegal conduct that violate New York's charities law and undermine its own mission. Letitia
1: James made this announcement a couple of weeks ago, seemingly out of the blue, pleasing progressives and causing consternation for Second Amendment advocates.
0: In sum, what the Attorney General here is alleging is just an incredible uh, culture of self-dealing, one of mismanagement, And one where the board of this organization was negligent in overseeing how that money in the organization was being spent. That's Tim Mack.
1: He's an investigative reporter for NPR who's been following the National Rifle Association closely for years. Did Letitia James uh, take a bold or unexpected uh, interpretation of the law when she looked not just to fine the NRA, or punish the NRA, or
0: scold the NRA, but in fact, end the organization. Well, she has the power to do so. I mean, there's precedent to do so, and the law does allow her in the most egregious cases to shut down charitable organizations.
1: Tim says the attorney general has taken down charities doing
0: business in New York before, like the Trump Foundation. And the argument that the attorney general of New York would make is that the corruption inside the organization is so widespread, so deep, that it can't be salvaged. The New York AG's lawsuit lists dozens and dozens of cases of alleged financial misconduct. We're talking things like uh, the use of NRA funds for private vacations, the the widespread use of private jets, whether uh, CEO Wayne LaPierre was on the jet or not on the jet you know he he uh, allegedly chartered private jets for his family members even though he wasn't there we're talking expensive meals we're talking um you know six figure suit purchases i mean one of the allegations is that they were very very generous with former employees or former executives at the organization and this this has been a pattern over time and what um The Attorney General of New York did, uh, or said, was that in some cases this was done in order to buy loyalty, to buy silence of former uh, leaders and former executives inside the organization so they wouldn't talk about what happened there.
1: Today on the show, what state investigators and a reporter have turned up about the NRA Will New York State's probe mean the beginning of the end for an organization already under fire? I'm Ray Suarez, subbing for Mary Harris, and you're listening to What Next? Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service— Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Earlier this year... Tim Mack got a hold of some pretty damning recordings from an off-the-record meeting of senior NRA executives.
0: There was only one path that we could go
1: down and that's the path we started down. And we never deviate.
0: We managed to get a hold of a tape, a, a secret recording that showed that the NRA's legal troubles have cost the organization $100 million over the last two years. The that we bore was probably about a $100 million hit in lost revenue and real cost to this association
1: in 2018 and 2019. I mean,
0: that's huge. Uh, this is a tape of the board of directors uh, and their internal de- deliberations earlier this year. Uh, and and what, uh, what uh, NRA CEO and executive vice president Wayne LaPierre says on the tape is that they've had to really cut a lot of the spending in the organization we took about 80 million in real cost out of the NRE but I mean we kind of we kind of re- reframe this entire association we took it down to the stud. and you know this is in large part due to um, uh, their legal troubles and and their difficulties fundraising as a result of some of the publicly reported, Uh, Cases of financial misconduct. Remember, this is a tape that was recorded in January of this year. This is before the coronavirus crisis. This is before uh, the New York Attorney General's uh, complaint against the NRA. Um, You know, if they were struggling then, you can only imagine how they're struggling now.
1: There have been widespread reports, as you allude to, Of severe money problems at the organization, um, reporting whistleblowers, dime droppers on the champagne lifestyle of senior staff. In its internal operations, did the NRA give any indication they knew investigators were on their trail? Were they tightening things up inside the organization?
0: That's a difficult question. I think that they have known for the last... Year and a half, or the last two years, that they were in some serious legal jeopardy. There have been a number of different, uh, different developments that have led the NRA to this point. the The New York Attorney General investigation is not the only uh, is not the only investigation into the NRA. There have been congressional inquiries on both the House and the Senate side. There have been questions about their links to that convicted Russian agent Maria Butina. There have been whistleblower uh, reports. There's been public investigative reporting on and on and on. So the the NRA has felt the pressure for some time. This is just the hammer dropping. You know, to spread around money or to
1: allegedly spread around money, you got to have money in the first place. What are the sources of the NRA's cash? When you read about a man spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on suits, when you read about uh, repeated private jet charters, the money's got to come from somewhere. Who's
0: funding the NRA? You know, there's there's a tendency for, uh, for folks... Uh, who don't look too closely at the NRA to think, oh, this is all big money, this is all you know, high-dollar donors. And, of course, the NRA has very wealthy benefactors. But the real power of the NRA uh, comes not from a few very rich people, but from the millions of members who very passionately do care about Second Amendment rights and care about the NRA. So the political power and the vast majority of the money comes from grassroots folks. We're talking folks who, you know, are given $20, 30 $40 a month, they care about this issue, they care about this cause, and they're, they think that they're, they're um, contributing to an advocacy group that uh, handles their money wisely. What the um, complaint that uh, the Attorney General of New York has brought forward is, uh, is alleging is that that money was not spent wisely at all, not at all. Much of the attention aimed at the organization
1: is centered on Wayne LaPierre, the executive vice president, for almost 30 years. He's led the NRA's move to a harder line on any government attempts to control firearms in the United States, led the counteroffensive after mass murder using firearms, and turned his organization into an enemy you don't want to make if you want a career in Republican politics. For years, there have been shouts and whispers about lavish spending on top of his almost million-dollar-a-year salary. There have been attempts to take Wayne LaPierre down in the past, and they haven't worked. Has the NRA been uh, riven by factional fights, by people who want to take the organization in different directions, who want to see new leadership?
0: And does this give them an opening? You know, as you mentioned, there has been a lot of internal turmoil at the NRA in the past. You know, there were attempts to uh, unseat Wayne um, in the 90s, you've seen, you know, there have been troubles inside the organization, but you've never seen troubles to this scale. You haven't seen internal rifts, plus congressional investigations, plus investigations by uh, multiple states' attorneys general, uh, plus whistleblower complaints. This is really a, a, a crisis on the scale that the NRA has never seen before. But at the same time, you know, the the NRA has a 76-member board of directors, at the same time, you do not see a lot of dissension within those ranks. At this point in the NRA's history, you see a lot of solidarity on that board. The vast, vast, vast majority of those folks support Wayne and will be with him to the end.
1: I was a little surprised when I watched that news conference that the NRA was incorporated in New York at all. Uh, The The state of New York has a history of uh, regulating gun ownership, gun licensing, gun training, being pretty careful compared to other places in America. And certainly, if you drive out of Washington, D.C. into the Virginia suburbs, you'll see an enormous NRA facility there. And if you had asked me before that news conference, where's the NRA,
0: I would have said Northern Virginia, what was it doing in New York? Well, the NRA has a very long history. It's nearly 150 years old. And it was, it was founded in the 19th century after the Civil War uh, in order to improve basic rifle marksmanship. Um, it's changed a lot, obviously, throughout the years. But it was originally incorporated in New York uh, and has since moved its headquarters to Northern Virginia, as you say. But its original uh, founding was in the state of New York.
1: But it, uh, its documents, its official domicile, whatever, was still in New York, giving a way for Letitia
0: James to go after it there? Yeah, it was founded in New York. And and what's what's interesting, though, is that if you do business in New York as a charity, then the Charities Bureau in New York has jurisdiction over you in some way, unless you want to stop doing business in New York. So unless the NRA wanted to, you know, disregard all its members in New York, not hold any fundraisers in New York, it would in some way still fall under the jurisdiction of the New York Attorney General.
1: I see, I see. Now, the New York Attorney General's action against the NRA has been dismissed as a partisan vendetta, a politically motivated attack by a prominent Democrat against an organization that's contributed heavily and openly supported... President Trump. Has Letitia James answered that charge? Is, is there any way that that can be made to stick?
0: Well, she's been asked this question, of course. Is this political? And she responds that it's not, that this is a case of a charity that's behaved badly and needs to be held to account for it. Of course, supporters of the NRA will say that um, the Attorney General of New York has uh, a the National Rifle Association in the past, even before coming into office, and that this is entirely a political uh, move by the New York Attorney General. Um, but if, if you look at the allegations in the complaint, and if you look at the, the, the evidence, it, it's very hard to say that the NRA hasn't been involved in some financial misconduct here. It's very hard to say that. The question is, what's the right step to address it? Uh, is dissolution too harsh an outcome to seek. There are other sanctions that are less serious. Uh, You can remove board members. you um, You could remove leadership from positions. There could be fines. The attorney general did take a very aggressive approach to this. The
1: organization has been a big player in politics. It was a huge donor in the 2016 cycle, giving previously unheard of sums in the presidential race, Does the NRA have fewer chips to play with in the 2020 cycle? Does that give an opening to people who want to take it down, that it, it, in effect, is not able to buy the friends that it's had in the past?
0: Well, look, I'd be very skeptical that the NRA would have the resources to play in the same way as it did in 2016. I mean, it was a major contributor to the president's electoral success in 2016. It's hard to deny. I mean, when a lot of the presidents, now presidents, allies were abandoning him after the Access Hollywood tapes, the NRA doubled down. It stuck with him. It endorsed him very early in the cycle, which was atypical for the NRA. Uh, In fact, it endorsed uh, Donald Trump before he had actually become the uh, presumptive nominee, which just hadn't happened uh, in the history of the National Rifle Association, all of which is to say that the National Rifle Association played a very, very big role in 2016. It's hard to it's it's hard to imagine that they have the resources and the power to be able to play an equivalent role this time around. You know, the NRA makes tens of millions of dollars every year at their annual members meeting, their annual convention. They had to cancel it this year in the middle of everything, largely because of the pandemic, well, that's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt their bottom line. And it's really going to be, um, be an issue uh, when it comes to, hey, how much can the NRA actually contribute to this upcoming election?
1: You know, if you watch Law & Order, uh, they announce charges, go to commercial, and this trial starts right after the commercial break. In real life, it often takes a lot longer. When is the NRA going to make its answer in court? When is this thing going to get started? And might the timing be uncomfortable for President Trump in his re-election bid?
0: Well, as you know, with these kinds of legal cases, they can take months, years to resolve. I mean, the NRA has already uh, responded um, in court, and it basically it, it said what we've discussed today, which is it alleges that um, the attorney general has has been involved in an attack on on their right to speak out for Second Amendment uh, rights and that this entire uh, situation, the complaint and the investigation has been political. That's been their argument uh, from day one, from when this complaint came down. Uh, So they seem, and they've said, that they're ready to fight this tooth and nail uh, in court um, and that, that, you know, I mean, I think the fact is that this could drag out for quite some time because of that.
1: As I was listening to Attorney General James uh, give chapter and verse on how the organization's money was being spent, uh, alleged by New York State, I wondered, well, this is a um, an ecological niche, you might say, in our politics that would certainly be filled by somebody else if Letitia James got her wish and ended the NRA, wouldn't there be any number of organizations that would rise to take its place?
0: Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, the NRA as an organization, like I said earlier, it takes its power from the millions of very passionate followers it has. Uh, that wouldn't change if the NRA as an org- organization failed to exist. There are other organizations, but the NRA is such a large and dominant organization in this space, there isn't really a comparable alternative, at least not in the immediate term. I mean, there are organizations like the Second Amendment Foundation and Gun Owners of America, but you know, I mean, the NRA is, is so large, raises so much money, has such brand name recognition that there just isn't an equal or, or an immediate um, organization that could fill, that step in and fill its shoes.
1: Tim, thanks a lot for your work. Thank you so much. Tim Mack is an investigative reporter at NPR. He has a book coming out in 2021 called Misfire about his reporting on the NRA. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Danielle Hewitt, and Jason DeLeon, with help this week from Daniel Avis. Special thanks, as always, to Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. I'm Ray Suarez.